Welcome. My name is J.R. Everhart from Restoration Ministries. I am your host here at the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. Uh, Today we continue our uh, choice three, week three of Life Sealing Choices by John Baker. Um, We are going to dig into consciously choosing to commit all of our lives and will to Christ's care and control. This is a super power pack lesson this week. Uh, We are going to get it all into one episode, which is going to be cool. We're going to do the cycle of despair and what it looks like to make a decision to follow Christ. And I'm going to share from my personal life what my Christian walk has looked like. And it's it hasn't been uh, hasn't been a textbook experience. Stick around, okay? I want to talk to you guys for a second about my company, COP Audio. COP Audio is your one-stop source for mobile audio and lighting, as well as a host of other services. Uh, we can handle everything from large outdoor concerts to small club-type shows, or even DJing your wedding or company picnic. Uh, We also work with local and regional government for public address events and summer community concert series-type stuff. We also do event planning and band booking, as well as audio install work at your local church or high school. You'll find tons of information online about us on both Instagram and Facebook. When you go to our Facebook page, make sure that you read our reviews from our clients. You can also find us uh, by just calling me or texting us, uh, 304-676-8811, 304-676-8811. You can also email me at um, jr.copaudio at gmail.com. That's jr.copaudio at gmail.com. CLP Audio has a long success record with dozens of bands, churches, and event venues all around the Mid-Atlantic. Again, find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching CLP Audio or call 304-676-8811. That's 304-676-8811. All right, so uh, Life Sealing Choices by John Baker. We are in week three, choice three. Um, this week's principle is consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Um, this choice is titled letting go the commitment choice. And, uh, there's, it's, it's a, it's a long chapter, you know, like I've said in previous podcasts about this, this is a nine month step study course crammed into eight weeks and it's a lot to digest each week. Um, I think this week had something like 23 or six pages of reading, you know? So, I mean, it's a commitment and, um, it pays off in huge dividends. So believe me, I'm not complaining in any way, shape or form, but, uh, let's go ahead and just dive into, you know, um, the highlights of this. Um, like I said, I think in the first podcast, when we started this life's healing choices, um, adventure together, um, this, this podcast is not meant to substitute a, um, organized and, and if you can with COVID, it's kind of tough, but if you can, a face-to-face study of this material. Uh, I'm not covering the testimony sections in each chapter, which is very important because it really drives home, you know, the lesson in a more practical way. Um, We are running the group currently on Sunday evenings at four o'clock in a Zoom meeting. And we got guys, you know, all over the place. I'm in West Virginia. Most of the guys are in Harrisonburg, Virginia, because that's where I was running this group before I moved back to West Virginia. And uh, one of my guys is in uh, Tennessee. 
So Zoom really, really works to, uh, you know, help us all come together and do this. But again, this is not these episodes here at the Truth Labyrinth are not meant to replace that. This is a supplement to that. If you're someone who's interested in this program, it's a great, you know, cliff notes kind of view uh, toward what's going on here in John Baker's book and uh, a little glimpse inside of Celebrate Recovery. Um, And it can really help you to um, prepare you for taking this course correctly uh, with someone who is trained and qualified to lead it and um, and lead it in, in, in its full length as it should be, you know. So um, the first thing we're going to talk about this week is the cycle of despair. And again, I'm just going to try to hit the highlights of this. The cycle of despair uh, is a cycle between guilt, anger, fear, and depression. Starts with guilt, ends with depression. And I'm going to read through... Um, you know, some of this stuff here, let me find a good starting point without having to read three pages of it. Um, that's how we uh, try to live our lives. He's coming out of a, um, a, a part where he's talking about um, how we get to a place of brokenness and we need to start recognizing, you know, our need for change. Um, so, you know, we kind of get stuck in that. We get stuck trying to get it all together while the world is falling apart around us. Uh, We get stuck in unhealthy relationships and addictive habits. Uh, We get stuck in grief or sexual relationships. We get stuck and we cannot get unstuck in our own power. Uh, And so despair sets in. I can definitely speak to that on my own personal walk. We start feeling guilty about our behavior. We wish we could get out of the mess, but we can't. After a lot of failed attempts, we get angry. So that ignites the anger part of this. We get angry with ourselves and others. We should be able to change. We ought to be able to get uh, get out of this. But we can't. And that anger grows. Over time, our anger turns into fear um, that things are never going to change, that we're kind of stuck in our dysfunction forever. And there's, you know, the enemy does a great job of robbing you of hope in this, this part of the cycle. Um, Over time, our anger turns into fear that that things are never going to change. We begin to realize that our hurts, hangups, and habits are controlling us, and our fear eventually turns to depression. We start feeling sorry for ourselves, and we become filled with yet even more guilt. Uh, Finally, we give up, and we just kind of throw our hands in the air and say, I can't change, so I quit. And then the cycle of despair starts all over again. That's usually when you when you get to that place of, of of frustration where you're like, look, man, and I can remember this in my own life. I can remember consciously saying in my own life, look, if I can't have the things that I've always desired to have in, in life, which, you know, for me was basically just, you know, a wife that could put up with my crap and a, and a family and just a normal, you know, all-American middle-class, you know, family – if I can't have that, then I'm just going to, you know, live life on my own terms. And that just creates huge amounts of dysfunction because then you just end up going back to the the alcohol or the, the chemicals you're using to, you know, medicate yourself, you know, out of the pain. Um, you know, sex plays a big role in that for a lot of people, especially men, you know. And then once you continue to, we call it the shame cycle a lot of times, where you commit whatever it is that's 
breaking you, whatever your addiction is, you, you do that. You get high, you use, you, you know, have an affair, you know, with, a, with another woman from work or something like that. Then you feel guilty from that. That ignites shame. And then you get into this cycle of despair where you feel like that there's no hope in your life. That leads you to depression. And the only thing that's going to, in your mind, you're thinking the only thing that makes you feel better from that depression and from that shame and guilt is to use again. So then you just get stuck in that cycle of use, get angry, be fearful, deal with the shame, get into that pit of depression, and then use again. Uh, the the big problem with that is, and I just had this conversation with one of my sponsees just yesterday. The problem with that is every time you go through that cycle, when you get to the depression part of it, you tend to sink deeper into that hole of depression. So it, it leads us to a place where we have to realize that we need a power bigger than us. We need someone who has you know, more authority in these habits and in these compulsive behaviors in our life than what we can muster in our own power. And that's when we we pray things like, you know, come to me, Jesus, you know, like, help me. I need help with all this. Like, I can't do this on my own. And Jesus is saying, yes, come to me. Uh, Your life will be easier if you just give me this burden that you're carrying. Uh, There's a scripture that I got um, that I got uh, uh, hooked onto like day one in 1994, you know, late 1994, when I really got serious about serving God. And it said, come to me, all you that are weary and overburdened, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and uh, you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is saying, come to me. Your life will be easier. Your load will be lighter. You will have relief, release, and rest. How many of us need rest? I mean, I can see the hands going up right now. We live we live in a time where we are carrying so much junk, we're just exhausted constantly. Jesus is saying, I will be able to rejuvenate you if you just give me this stress and anxiety that you're carrying. Give it to me. Give me the control and care of your life and uh, watch what I do for you. It's an amazing deal, and you wonder why anybody ever, you know, turns this down. Well, there is five reasons or five uh, roadblocks that kind of get in the way of us making this kind of decision, and I'm going to quickly go through these things, and then I want to talk to you about what my life has looked like since, you know, 1994 when I decided to submit my life and my will to Christ. Um, So the book is asking, what is holding you back? Uh, What is delaying your decision to surrender your problems and your life to the care and control of Christ? It has been said that our choices determine our circumstances and our decisions determine our destiny. I highlighted that. That really hit a nerve with me. Let me say it again. It has been said that our choices determine our circumstances and our decisions determine our destiny. Uh, There are five things that keep us from making this third choice. Pride, guilt, fear, worry, and doubt. Number one, pride. Uh, Pride often keeps us from admitting we need God's help. Uh, No one, this is from Proverbs 18.12, no one is respected unless he is humble. Arrogant people are on their way to ruin. Again, that's Proverbs 18.12. This proverb presents a pretty clear picture of those 
of us who think that we can do this on our own. And then from Proverbs 10, 8, it says, a self-sufficient fool falls flat on his face. I don't know about you, but I definitely can see myself in some of that being someone who struggles with pride. Um, the biggest lie that that we tell ourselves is that we can handle this on our own. And it's not until our fear of change overweighs our pain and frustration of trying to handle it on our own do we get to this place of commitment. Um, and, you know, I'm speaking to you guys that you may already be a confessing Christian. You may already be someone who's walking into faith. But let me tell you something, and I, w- I will allude to this in, in my little testimony section of this at the end, that giving my life to God and giving my life to Christ and turning my life and my will over to Jesus is a daily thing. It's not something that you do once and bam, you're done. You do it once and you enter into the family of, of God and you're forever in that family. But it's it's a recommitment and a, a redoing of your first fruits every day to uh, keep yourself connected and keep your head in the right place with all that. Um, the beatitude for this this week's um, principle is happier the meek. You know, and, and, and Jesus is asking us, you know, that we need to be meek. The problem is people equate meekness with weakness. Uh, I always say, don't never mistake my silence for weakness. Never mistake my meekness for weakness. Uh, in reality, the Greek word, you know, the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek word for meekness actually means strength under control. I really, I highlighted that. That really, really hit a nerve with me, you know. Uh, the Greek word for meekness actually means strength under control. Um, God doesn't ask us to be weak, but he does ask us to lay down our pride and to be meek. Meekness is surrender. It's submitting. It is agreeing to what God wants done in your life. Uh, the next thing is guilt. Uh, guilt is another thing that can keep us from walking across the line and into God's arms. Uh, you may be ashamed to ask God to help you. And then here's a scripture from Psalms 40:12. I love this scripture. This is, uh, I believe this is David speaking, King David. Problems are uh, far too big for me to solve and are piled higher than my head. Meanwhile, my sins, too many to count, have all caught up with me and I am ashamed to look up. Sometimes we get so deep in our pit of dysfunction that we feel like we're not worthy of God's, you know, help. We're not worthy of God's love, forgiveness, and acceptance. Sometimes we feel so guilty about the mistakes we've made in our life and the people that we've hurt. We just want to suffer. We want to live in that place of, of despair, and we feel like we deserve that. Well, that, that's, that's the culture of hell. Despair, depression, anxiety, panic, you know, all that stuff is the culture of hell. That, there's no God in any of that. There's no heavenly purpose being made in that. Instead, God wants to heal you from those things and restore you so that you can make amends with those people that you've hurt and so that you can take your testimony and start helping others. So don't let the guilt of your past rob you of the opportunity you know, to enter into this life. Uh, one more thing here from the guilt section. You may be embarrassed to ask him for help, or you may think God doesn't know all the things that you've done wrong or won't ever forgive you. You're wrong. He knows. God knows everything, guys. I mean, you're not hiding anything from him. Even though he knows it all, there is no sin that God cannot and will not forgive. He wants to forgive all your guilt. That's why Christ went to the cross. Uh, number three is fear. Um, 
Are you afraid that you might, of what you might have to give up if you surrender care and control of your life to Christ? Fear takes many forms. Sometimes we're afraid to trust God. Sometimes we turn, um, turn to God only as a last resort. We're afraid to let go and trust him. Right now, you may be hanging on to that branch for dear life saying, things aren't that bad. No problem, really, I'm fine. No, you're not fine. And you know you're not fine if you're honest with yourself. You're just afraid of letting go and trusting him. Sometimes we're afraid of losing control. Um, But the truth of the matter is that we're all controlled by someone or something at all times. To some extent, you're controlled by the way your parents brought you up. You're controlled by the opinions of other people, myself included. And I know a bunch of people who are codependent that really are paralyzed by that. Controlled by the opinions of other people. Um, We're also controlled by our hurts uh, that we can't forget. And we're controlled by our hang-ups and habits. Part of our control issue is fear of losing our freedom. So many times I've heard guys, you know, tell me like, man, well, I don't want to give up this and I don't want to give up that and I don't want to quit doing this. I don't want to quit doing that. Man, the thing that I always say, always say, and this piggybacks on the next section that's going to talk about the fear of becoming a religious fanatic is that don't worry about any of that stuff. You know, surrender your life to God and let him change those things. Let him change your desires and change your, you know, the things that he wants you to be. You don't get yourself all cleaned up and come to Christ. No, you come to Christ as a mess and Christ cleans up your mess. He cleans up your life. He slowly over time, and it's, it's not an overnight sensation. It's something that takes time. You didn't get into the dysfunctional mess you're in overnight and you're not getting out of it overnight. It takes time. The thing we need to do is just be brave enough to take that first step and to say, Lord, here I am. You know, mess, junk, warts, you know, everything. Addictions, compulsive behaviors, mistakes, guilt, shame. I'm giving it all to you. But sometimes we're afraid that, you know, becoming a Christian is going to you know, turn us into a religious fanatic, you know. Um, there's a story in the Bible um, where there was a man who was demon-possessed, and he lived in the, uh, the cemetery among the tombs, and he was wild and out of control. This was in the town of Gadarinians, well, was with the Gadarinians, you know. And um, you know, Christ and the, and the disciples show up, and this this dude immediately prostrates himself before Christ, and the demons in him are begging you know, Jesus not to try him before their time and all this other stuff. It's a very interesting story to read. I uh, encourage you to to check it out. Um, And the point is Christ delivers the guy, and it says that he's sitting there in wholeness of mind, sane. That's what happens when we come to Christ. We don't turn into religious fanatics. Christ makes us whole. He puts us in a right state of mind and makes us perfectly sane. Now, I mean, we've all seen people come to Jesus and, and get, get Jesus and get religion, and I've heard people describe it that way for years and, you know, turn into, you know, a church junkie and, you know, they, they walk away from all their secular friends and, you know, they only have church friends now and they're on a religious high horse and they're making everybody else think that they got it all together when they're still just as much of a mess as everybody else. 
um, that does not have to be your path, you know. I think a lot of that kind of compulsive religious fanatic mindset comes from an already existing compulsive behavior that lived in them. You know, sometimes we trade one addiction for another, and some people come into Christianity with a whole laundry list of addictions and compulsive behaviors, and they trade that for very militaristic, religious, compulsive behaviors, you know, and both of those have their problems. So what are you afraid of? What are you holding on to that makes you think, uh, I can't let go? Is it a relationship, an ambition, a habit, a lifestyle, or a possession? God's words asks this. Uh, How does a man benefit if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? For if anything... uh, for is there anything worth more than his soul? And I think we've all heard the scripture that says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That's just a different translation of that. So ask yourself, what is, what is the component of fear of working in your life? The next is worry. Worry causes us to confuse the decision-making process um, with a problem-solving phase. You know, people kind of get into this mode. In, in the book here, it gives an example of buying a home, how you have to, you know, go through all the finance nightmare with the bank and set up escrow. And, you know, you got to get a house inspection. You got to get, uh, I know a lot of times you have to get a, um, uh, a termite guy in to do all of the, you know, the insect inspection and spray. And, and it can just, if you get so focused on that stuff, you may never buy the home. You know, and it's the same way with, you know, worrying about this decision of turning your life over to Christ is sometimes we we go through this problem solving phase and we get stuck in our intellect instead of our conscience, which Christ is calling our conscience. And the enemy likes to switch that over into our intellect where we're trying to intellectualize, you know, whether or not we should be a follower of Christ. It's never going to take you anywhere positive. You know, just make the decision and let God worry about the problem-solving process. Um, Number five, finally, is doubt. Have you ever thought, I want to believe, but my faith is too small? Well, in the fifth chapter of Mark, there is a guy named uh, Jairus who came to Jesus and said, um, hey, I know you heal people and my daughter needs to be healed. And Jesus responded and said, "Um, if you have faith, she will be healed. And and Jairus, being an honest, just straight up, gut level, you know, honest dude, is just like, look, Lord, you know, I've got doubts. I want to believe, but I need you to help me with my unbelief. And Jesus responds with, "That's good enough," and he healed the girl. You know, I was in this exact same place when I came to the Lord. You know, and I'm going to talk about that here in just a minute. Um. We got to get to a place where we say, God, I want to believe that you can help me in my life, but you need to help me with my own belief. God is okay with that. You know, it's not the size of your faith that matters, that it's it's who or what you put your faith in that matters. You can gain or you can have giant faith and put it in all the wrong things like money or possessions and still come up empty. Um so we have to we have to just be brave and courageous enough to just believe that God's going to help us work through all the questions and the anxiety we may have about, you know, our disbelief and and that sort of thing. Uh, We need to make a decision that says, I open my life and care and control uh, to Christ. I don't know what it's all going to look like or how it's going to work out, 
but I know it's the right thing to do. So I'm just going to do it. And that's that's the place that uh that's the place that I got to. You know, it really is. Um and when you come into a relationship with Christ, he's never gonna let you go. Um are you worried about um the battle that you're gonna face in life and won't be able to hold on to your faith or won't be able to, you know, walk out this Christian faith? Well well don't worry. Because that's not your job to hold on. God will be holding on to you, and he won't ever let you go. Um, When you put your faith in Christ, you are brought into fellowship with him. You become his. I regularly pray, Father, I belong to you. But, you know, that doesn't stop your trials, okay? That doesn't stop. Like, I've heard guys... For years and years, and I'm going to kind of transition now into my experience with Christianity. I've heard guys for years and years sell Christianity to people like, this is going to solve all your problems, and you know, you're know you never going to struggle again, and Jesus is going to just make everything okay, and he's going to wave a magic wand over your life, and now poof, you know, you're going to be instantly you know, financially wealthy and emotionally stable and, and never have any problems anymore. Well, that could not be any further from the truth, because that's not how it plays out. What Christ does is he, he walks with you through life's challenges. What he does is he ministers to you and gives you strength to weather the storm. Um, there's a popular quote that goes around, unfortunately, I've seen it even in Christian circles, that um, people like to say, they'll say, God, God's, you know, the Bible says God's not going to put things on me that I can't handle. Well, that's not biblical, and there's nowhere in the Bible is that quoted. Uh, the closest thing you'll get to that is a scripture that talks about how God won't tempt you beyond your ability to be able to withstand it. And uh, he also even added that he will provide a way of escape from every temptation that, that comes down your path. So, and then there, there's, you know, the fact that Paul talks about, you know, him and Timothy being in Persia at one point and was way overwhelmed with stuff that they couldn't handle. You know, I'm pretty sure Paul sitting in prison, writing three quarters of the New Testament, knowing that his fate is going to be, you know, being martyred for the gospel was a situation he could not handle, you know? Um, And if we could handle everything, what in the world would we need God for? You know, that's the thing that I always respond with when people bring that, that unbiblical statement to the table. Well, God won't put anything on me that I can't handle. I can handle all that. Like, no, really? God's not putting it on you to begin with. Many times those situations are birthed out of things that were out of your control. They were birthed out of bad decisions that people made out of exercising their free will. And sometimes there's situations that are part of this fallen, cursed world that we're living in that cries out every day for the the lifting of that curse from the Garden of Eden. You know, we are susceptible to all those things. Those things are not going to stop coming down your path. They're not going to stop knocking at your door. Um, let me just give you a brief overview of what I have been through just since my decision to follow Christ in 1994. And uh, I think it was September of 1994. I grew up in church, and um, you know I was filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues when I was 12 years old. And I went through a I went through this 
this um, despair cycle, you know, that we were just talking about, you know, this cycle of, you know, just getting frustrated, trying to manage things on my own. No one had ever taught me what, you know, relationship with Christ truly looked like. You know, uh, I had a lot of head knowledge of it, but I didn't have a lot of heart knowledge. I didn't have a lot of revelation knowledge of what it was to be a Christian. When in 1994, I was radically converted and um, just was sold out for Christ. But since 1994, I've been through three divorces. Um, I've been through two major church splits that were caused by pastors just acting like complete fools. In one case, it was over a doctrinal issue. Over a doctrinal issue. Uh, in another, it was over a pastor getting wrapped up in pornography and and kind of just being in denial about that, and ended up, you know, blowing the church and his ministry clean out of the water you know, from that. He, I don't think his ministry's ever really recovered from that, even to this day. Um, I've dealt with uh, my girlfriend of four and a half years, uh, running off with my best friend. That was very hard to to navigate through. I've dealt with a daughter who um, overdosed on heroin and is a recovering opiate addict, and I'm happy to report doing great now. That's been six, seven years ago, eight years ago now. Um, but those have been like really hard, hard guys, hard stuff to walk through. Um, after my first divorce, I just went into a state of rebellion. I was very mad at God, you know, um, and kind of just picked up the, you know, the control of my life again and lived out about six or eight years of my life under my control. And it was completely chaotic and did nothing but pour hundreds of gallons of gasoline on my already burning fires of dysfunction and and hurt and pain. And um, some of the things that happened during that season of my life are things that I still feel guilt and shame about to this day. So becoming a Christian did not solve all my problems. You know, it did not make life okay in the face of this world struggles. What it did was it gave me uh, strength to walk through all that stuff. It gave me a savior to lean into, um, to be able to walk through those storms, to stand in those storms. You know, in the many, many times that life was dishing out things that I could not handle, I always ran to Christ. I always ran to God. And I always found strength there. I always found the ability to persevere. That's what a relationship with Christ brings us. I mean, yeah, we're going to go to heaven and, you know, we're going to escape hell. And, you know, if God be for us, who can be against us and could do all things to Christ Jesus? Those things are all very true. And I have seen them manifest in my life over and over, even when I was living in rebellion and was mad at God and literally having shouting matches with God about my life. Um, he never gave up on me, you know, and that's the thing that that will break me to my core if I think about it too much. I'll, I'll even just I'll start crying right now is that he never gave up on me. He loved me even when I couldn't love myself. He's seen me in my junk and still chose to reach into my life and pull purpose out of my problems. I would not be the person I am today 
a licensed minister and someone who who is regularly leading other men to the cross, regularly leading other men out of their addictions and their compulsive behaviors for the cause of Christ. And I give God all the glory for that. I'm not taking any credit for any of that stuff because I'm a wretched fool without God. But a lot of people kind of come into this and they think that becoming a Christian means that all their problems are going to go away. And then when all their problems don't go away, then the enemy uses that to turn them against God the same way he did after my first divorce. I loved my first wife with all my heart. I loved all three of my wives with all my heart. But you know, I'm a dysfunctional mess. And I'm hard to live with, and I'm someone that's not easy to to be with. I think I'm better now than I've ever been. Uh, I think I'm on, you know, JR version 3.0 at this stage of the game. But, and I'm not taking responsibility for all of those, all of that stuff. I mean, my ex-wives all played a role in that dysfunction and the failure of those marriages as well. So it wasn't all my fault. But I am man enough to take responsibility for my role in that. You know, well, the reason I can do that is because Christ has shown me that there's freedom in owning our our mistakes, that there's freedom in owning, you know, the junk that we bring to the table. And when we do that, then we can get truly honest about where we are, who we are, and where we need to go. And you can't do that until you just get gut level real, you know, with God. And you just say, look, Lord, here's my brokenness. You know, I still, to this day, I've been you know, a Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-filled Christian for 27 years. You know, strong, 27 years. Even in my times of weakness, God was right there calling me back to the cross. Sometimes we got to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's just part of it. And it wasn't easy when I lost both my parents in 2018. Lost my mom to cancer and my dad to Alzheimer's. That was tough. And then just a year later, COVID happened, I lost my entire income, well, 99% of my income, 95% of my income, and then went through my third divorce, which I never thought, when I was 20 years old, you could never have convinced me that I would have ever been divorced three times. I didn't think that's the way life was going to work out. And it's horrible. I hate it. I hate it with everything in me. I just wanted to marry one woman and love her with all my heart. You know, for the rest of my life, have a family, be a good father, take my kids to Sunday school, and live the American dream. But you know what? That's not how it worked out. And God has been there with me each and every step of the way. He has been there to walk me through every just hurricane of despair, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. Because believe me, I've had to fight that. I still fight that each and every day because there was a lot of suicide around my family growing up and it's something that I'm kind of broken that way but I know that that's not that's not where my answers are my answers have always been in just trusting God and just walking it out each and every day knowing that he is enough Even when I don't have the strength to get through the day and I don't know how, or I have a day that I just completely fail. I mean, let's just be real. You know, I've been around Christians for decades. They are jacked up, just like everybody else. The only difference is they see their hope in Christ instead of in self. 
Because we live in a world right now that is preaching the gospel of self. Each and every day, you can swing a dead cat on YouTube and find all kinds of self-help motivational videos that will just teach you the truth about you and give you and convince you totally that you don't need anybody but yourself. Good decisions, you just need to be honest and you just need to love. The enemy takes the principles of God and he manipulates them to his purpose. Now, I tell my guys in recovery all the time that you need to know the truth about yourself. I'm not saying that there's not healing there, because there definitely is. But without the truth of God to drive that home, you're only getting half, you're only going half the journey. You're only halfway there. Becoming a Christian is just giving all that stress and anxiety to God and knowing that no matter what happens and no matter what life throws at you, you're going to be able to handle it. Because God is with you. That's what it looks like, guys. That's what it looks like on Monday morning. You know, some of us go to church on Sunday and we get all emotionally stirred up and ready to conquer the world. And by noon on Monday, we're defeated. Walking the life of Christianity is a clumsy walk. It's messy. And if anybody ever tries to paint it other than that to you, they're lying or they don't know the truth, one or the other. Because I've been doing this for a very long time and God's word always supersedes my personal experience. Because my personal experience is pretty ugly. And I could easily look at my personal experience and be like, there is no God. And be like, what has God ever done for me? Why did he allow all these things to happen in my life? Well, those things happened in my life because of bad decisions I made, bad decisions other people made, and just because of the state of the world that we live in. God was there with me weeping when I was weeping after my divorces. He was there weeping with me when I had to bury my parents. He was there weeping with me when I had to sit in my first NA meeting with my daughter, crying like a big fat baby in front of a room full of strangers that I'd never met before. Snot running the whole nine yards. He was there with me. He helped me through that. I could have never survived the things that I've been through in my life without God's care and without his provision. So becoming a Christian doesn't make us perfect or make us, you know, totally, you know, together all the time, you're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to screw stuff up. You're still going to make big mistakes. But what it does is it it gives us the blessed assurance that we're not alone anymore and that he's here here with us. So I want to close this podcast with a simple little prayer. If any of this, and I know this is going long and I really don't care. This is just, I feel God and I know this is what he is trying to do in this week's podcast. If any of this makes sense to you, maybe you're feeling like, man, JR is really talking like into my world. It's like he's talking just to me. Well, that's not me talking to you. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, saying, now is the time. What are you afraid of? Just allow me to help you. The Bible says that God is long-suffering toward us that none should perish, but all come to repentance to Christ Jesus. It's his desire that everybody come to repentance in Christ Jesus. You know, admitting that you failed isn't weakness. Admitting that you failed isn't 
a bad thing. It's a good thing because it's you getting real with your human experience. And that is the beginning of freedom right there. We think freedom is just having the ability to choose what is right and wrong in our life or to do whatever we want to do on our terms. Well, that's the exact same sin Adam and Eve committed when they ate the forbidden fruit. That fruit was of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When they gained the knowledge of good and evil, then they chose to decide what is good and evil in this world on their terms. And it created spiritual death. We're still struggling with that to this day. That is the number one component that stands on top of our personal pride. That's what the enemy has convinced us is freedom. No, freedom is letting go and letting God. That's freedom. Maybe this resounds with you. Maybe this is hitting a nerve with you. If it is, I want you to pray this simple prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, I have doubts, but I'm asking you to help me with my unbelief. I don't know how you could change my chaotic life into a life that even closely resembles a Christian walk. But I'm going to trust you today in spite of all those things. I'm going to give myself to you and surrender my life to you in the face of all my circumstances, in the face of what the doctor has said about me, in the face of this chaotic environment I've created in my life out of compulsive behavior and addiction. I don't know how I'm going to get out of my situation, but I know you are calling me. I know that you want to have a close, intimate relationship with me, and I recognize that and I surrender myself to you. I acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and that he hung on a cross to bear the penalty of my sins so I could walk in true freedom. I receive your salvation, Lord. I give myself to you. I turn my life, my will, all my hopes, dreams, ambitions, everything over to you. I have no idea how you're going to work it all out, but I don't need to know. I'm just submitting to you, and I'm asking you to come into my life and pull purpose out of my problems. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, if you prayed that prayer, please send me a line. You know, you can, you can find me on Facebook. Just look for J.R. Everhart. Uh, the Truth Labyrinth has uh, profiles up on Instagram and Facebook. You can send me messages, messages through either one of those. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to help you get plugged into a community of people just like you who are trying to get it right and who are trying to walk out this clumsy walk of following Christ. Um, and I'd like to encourage you. You know, uh, guys, I know I don't say this enough, but I really, I really appreciate you guys that listen to this podcast and that you support this podcast. This would not be possible without your prayers and your financial support. You know, this podcast happens because there are believers behind this ministry who are praying for God's purpose to be done and, and supporting it with their resources. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I take no credit for God's work inside of Restoration Ministries or the True Collaborate Podcast, all the glory goes to God. As I said earlier, I am just a wretched fool without the guidance of God's grace and mercy in my life. Thank you, guys. I'll see you next time. If you have found value in this podcast or if it has blessed you in any way, can I ask a couple things from you real quick? 
please rate and review this podcast on whatever format you listen to it on, especially if you use Google or Apple Podcasting app. Also, could I ask you to please donate to this ministry? Uh, We need your financial support. We are not sponsored by any church or religious denomination, nor do we have any corporate sponsors. Uh, We are totally independent and dependent on our listeners to make this ministry resource possible. Please consider giving to this ministry. I'll be sure to post links and information on how to give in the description of this podcast. And finally, and most importantly, we need your prayers for guidance and protection from the people who look to silence voices like ours. Pray for God's favor in the eyes of our enemies and grace in our hearts toward them. Pray that God uses this podcast to speak into the lives of those struggling with addiction and ministers to the hearts of the hurting. We need your prayers covering this ministry so we can be effective ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this podcast. My prayer is that it blessed you and brought you a fresh understanding of our lives in this world and our need for unity in Christ. A brush fire of revival in Jesus Christ is our only hope for satisfaction and true joy as we walk out the human experience that is our day-to-day lives. It's been my sincere honor to be your host today at the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. Be blessed and be a blessing to those around you. Till next time, I leave you with a scripture from Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you.